This week in our series of Courageous Living from Daniel, Phil's read chapter 10, it gives us an insight for a moment about what's going on, the bigger picture, helps us to put things in a frame of reference, a glimpse. And chapter 10 speaks a lot about battling. It speaks a lot about the struggle that is unseen, but nevertheless real. In fact, all of Daniel has been driving this point that God is triumphant, God is trustworthy, even when Daniel's in exile, Daniel's under the rule of of people who are hostile. Daniel's friends experience that too, the community of faith. It's not easy. It's tough. And as we've been seeing since chapter 7, the the view has been pulled right back and we're seeing things from a very different perspective, but the truth still stands. God is triumphant. The Lord is the Lord Almighty over every empire and ruler and nation and tyrant and circumstance. In spite of appearances, God is in control and wins the victory. Hold on to that in these days. God, in spite of appearances, is in control and will win the victory. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar said he would kill all the wise men, all the people in places of authority because they just didn't get it, the dream that he'd had. And yet God was in control and would win the victory. In the fiery furnace, The friends were rescued in the lion's den. The lions didn't savage Daniel. And even in these visions and dreams, we see that even in the interplay of great powers and forces and struggles between emperors and nations and rulers and geopolitics, and yet behind the scenes so much more, nevertheless, the Lord is triumphant. It's really important to know that in battling. It's really important to know that in courageous living as disciples right now in a complex and stressful world. Daniel 10 talks somewhat of of battles, and I've entitled this talk, Battling. We battle in all sorts of of ways. Uh, Shortly, the spring will arrive, thankfully. And if you're a gardening sort, you'll know of the annual battle with weeds in the garden. You spend a long time sorting out those uh, beautiful flower pets, removing all those weeds. You turn your back for a minute and they pop right back up. Battling. If you spend time, if you remember the last time you were able to go to the seaside, uh, maybe as a child or or with a younger person, and you build a sandcastle at at that place, you know that the tide will come in and you build the ramparts and the walls and the fortification, and you think, maybe just this time my sandcastle will prevail over the oncoming tide. I see it again and again when I'm at the beach of families battling and are yet are overcome. It doesn't seem to stop, and yet it's worth 
persevering. Just this week, we've remembered that it's, it's the Holocaust Memorial Day. Remembering that six million people died in World War II at the hands of the Nazis. Systematic extermination. But Memorial, Holocaust Memorial Day isn't just about that, although it has to be. It's also about the genocides and the brutal battles and of lives snuffed out so wickedly. In our national history, we know about battling. Winston Churchill, the, the Prime Minister in World War II, in, in famous speeches said things like this, We shall defend our island whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. The world and Britain was at war. In his second speech of Prime Minister, probably one of his most famous, in a speech of defiance and national pride, he said, now this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. We're battling against the virus. Over this last year, we've heard language of the fight of warfare, of the sacrifices that have been made now in Britain by over 100,000 who've lost their lives and all those who are contending day in, day out to care for the sick and the bereaved. We use language of those on the front line. We understand battle language, even against an unseen virus, but we don't always comprehend and get it that there is a bigger battle going on too, right now. For Daniel and other points in, in the Old Testament and the New, it's like those people of faith were given an insight to see what was before them, the tangible, the touchable, the everyday experience, sometimes as we've seen in Daniel, in a hostile place against rulers and authorities that were against them. But we also see there's a bigger picture and Daniel chapter 10 and this section in his prophetic words give us that greater view to see that there is a battle raging more than that which we experience often in the day to day, but is real nevertheless. In the Old Testament, the prophet's assistant said, we're surrounded. And the prophet prayed, let him see, and his eyes were open and around them were encamped the very forces, the angelic host of God. The Jesus' disciples with him at various times had their eyes open to see at the transfiguration, the presence of God. In, in Acts 9, as Paul was on the way to D Damascus, he was blinded by a light and he heard a voice and those around him couldn't perceive it, but he understood. There was so much more going on. This battle is as real and as present as those others we're more familiar with. It's really important that we grasp this. There are principalities and powers. There are forces at work that we may not understand. Daniel gives us a glimpse and, and it's, it's, it's a fleeting glimpse. It's not explained. It's not, it's not, uh, we're not given a, a full treatise about it, explaining everything, the nuts and bolts of how this all works. 
a fleeting glimpse, but true nevertheless, to be held with other parts of the Bible. Recognise we're caught up in things. Forces are at work. God, yes, triumphant, but principalities and powers that are not of God. What are they? They're referenced in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and in other places in the scriptures too. Some of them grow out of, of human decisions, whether they're our individual choices or those that we make collectively, corporately, together. The principalities and powers are established when we turn away from God, when we resist the wooings and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And that this direction leads away from God to godlessness. And yet that repeated decision, that, that turning away from God, abandoning what God would have as ideal for us in our human communities and our lives, in our institutions, in societies, and even civilizations, progressively become less and less like the kingdom of God and powerful in their opposition to God. And as such, these principalities and powers create a dynamic away from the living God towards death, which rapidly overpowers and dominate human beings with whom we were originally and called back to relationship with God. We find ourselves trapped and locked as humans, imprisoned with a power of darkness, like a vice-like grip of our own making, but beyond our own control brings destruction and distortion and suffering whether it's mental health or spiritual health whether it's the fracturing and brokenness of our inner selves and imprisonment to things like addictions and compulsions whether it's the outworking of that in the breakdown of relationships and in human systems and institutions and power that rather than liberate dominate and control and subjugate on a community level, national level, or, or even internationally. It dehumanizes. And so, so often we talk about these things beyond our control. And as such, these are the principalities and powers. And yet behind them too, the opponent of everything that is good and right, the evil one. We're told in this chapter and in other places that there is a battle happening. And that can perplex us. God is in control. God is on the throne. Yes, absolutely. But we see in this Daniel story, and we know in our own lives, that even with that definite theological truth that we affirm and stand on, that the Lord is almighty, he is sovereign, and his victory is assured. We know that through the resurrection. And yet, we live in the time of struggle, and we don't see every fulfillment of that. Occasionally, I used a phrase, I used it a couple of weeks ago. We live with Easter Sunday faith in a Good Friday world. A few years ago, I was in, in India, as many of you know, and it was not long after the Boxing Day tsunami and had the privilege of traveling to the coastal regions to visit pastors and local communities who experienced that wave. 
that destruction. And in praying with them, in listening, in seeing the courage that those communities were living through, one question kept coming up. Why did God let this happen? Was he angry with us? Had we done something wrong? Now, of course, those big questions are harder to answer. But having a chapter like Daniel 10 helps us to understand that sometimes we need to have this bigger perception, this bigger understanding of what is going on, that there are battles, spiritual battles, in the midst of what is happening with us. In the Gospels, we see this with Jesus, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Messiah who comes. He deals graciously with human beings, with mercy and kindness. He rescues and restores our life. He says, come to me if you're weary and broken and struggling and questioning and doubtful. Come and journey with me and I will lead you into all truth and fullness of life. What an invitation still today for believer and seeker. Come to Jesus. But also as you read the gospel stories of who he is and what he does and, and how he operates, Jesus is really adamant that he stands firm and strong against the forces that seek to destroy and kill and devastate and pull apart life. When he confronts people who are oppressed by evil spirits, who are in the thrall of the principalities and powers, he is adamant and breaks those curses, breaks those chains, sets people free. He is the one, the warrior of God, who breaks every power of the evil one. Absolutely sets people free, whether that's manifest in, in uh, oppression by evil spirits or whether that's manifest in, uh, in healing and often even the greatest foe, that of death, that which consumes everyone, Jesus breaks the hold of. We see him in raising up Lazarus and Jairus' daughter, but most magnificently through his resurrection. Jesus is the valiant victor of every battle. There are forces of darkness, and we battle. In chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, he says, Since the first day, this, this vision, this insight, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. Daniel is praying. He's again laid low, and he's exhausted, and he knows there is this greater struggle, that he is powerless in many ways. And yet, in chapter 9, Phil reminded us of the power of prayer of the importance of fasting, of contending, joining with the purposes and plans of God. I heard this wonderful little quote this week that said, even if a, a mountain is moved one millimeter, its movement may be imperceptible, but the fact is it is moved. Prayer shifts obstacles, cities and nations. We really are encouraged, like Daniel, to pray and contend because as chapter 10 tells us, as we do that, things change, dynamics 
change, maybe imperceptible for many to see, but here, written in the canon of Scripture, in these uh, exciting stories of Daniel, the kingdom comes as Daniel contends, faithfully, regularly, persistently, as he prays. It's a bit of a mystery why God's plans are held up for 21 days. The kingdom, the king, the prince of Persia resisted. Uh, Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, but I was detained there with the king of Persia. It appears that the the king of Persia, the prince of Persia, is apparently a satanic agent um, who has some sort of authority or control over that geographical reason. Do I understand all of that? No. But I do recognize the truth of it in the principalities and powers that are different in different places. That which has influence over Britain is not necessarily the same as that which has influence in other people and other places. Of course, some of the things are common. Some of the things are clearer. Again, in, in times when I've served in different parts of the world, it's really obvious the spiritual battle that's going on. In India, there's worship of all sorts of, of gods and deities and idols. And that spiritual realm, the, 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 the difference between that which we live in normally and that which is spiritual is, is much closer. It's much easier to perceive and see the outworking of the kingdom of God. In Britain, it's less clear. Maybe because we, have, we live in a, in a rationalistic mindset. We live in a culture that is deeply secularized and, and doesn't even want to consider these things that are spiritual and more than. And yet, they're just as strong. Remember, Paul says in one of his letters in Corinth to the Corinthians, he says, pray that the, the, the eyes of, uh, of those who are blind would be able to see the God of this age has blinded them. I guess we know the truth of that. We, and we kind of perplex. Why, why don't people see Jesus for who he is? The strong, compelling evidence of of the resurrection, that the tomb was empty. The impact that Jesus makes in in our lives, in my life, in someone that you've encountered life. uh, That we would say, look at what Jesus is doing. The testimonies that we can tell, the stories of answered prayer. And yet, blindness. Principalities and powers, the work of the evil one, battling. How are we to be encouraged to contend, pray, fast, again, repeatedly, of not giving up. One commentator says this passage gives us an undiscourageable persistence. I'm so thankful for those people that have spoken into my life and I've, I've had the chance to, to witness who contend in prayer week in, week out of interceding. I was speaking to someone from my old church just recently over Christmas, wishing them happy Christmas. She's in her 80s and she's a dear friend, but a prayer warrior. And, and every time I speak to her and she said, again, and I'm really thankful for Mary in this, she prays for me morning and evening. 
I can't tell you how encouraging it is to know that. That she intercedes and asks God for his blessing in my life and through my ministry. I'm so thankful and know that there are those amongst us in our church who have this ministry that is behind closed doors, in the closet, so to speak, away privately, no one else sees. But we know that the kingdom is advancing because of those people who are contending in prayer, who will not give up, who will be undiscourageable in their perseverance and persistence. As we as a church are praying for the persecuted church, on and on. We're praying for revival, on and on. It is sometimes hard to keep going. But chapter 10 is a wonderful reassurance. Keep battling. Be aware that we are in a battle. Ephesians 6, I think I mentioned just a moment ago, but if not, it gives us some insights as Paul speaks about this spiritual battle and, and how we are to arm ourselves with that. It's, it's all there. Have a read of it at the end of the letter to the church in Ephesus. Make no mistake, sisters and brothers, our friends, we are in a battle. We contend. Just as the weeds grow when we've picked them, if we turn our back. Jesus told a parable about the wheat and the weeds. They grow together. Don't be disheartened by that, though it is sometimes discouraging. Look up. Be reassured and heartened that Jesus rose from the grave. The pivotal and foundational and rock-solid assurance This isn't in vain. That as we pray and contend for loved ones to turn to faith, for an end to the virus, for justice and mercy, an end to persecution, for the kingdom of God to come, for the reign and rule of Jesus to be manifest, for miracles to happen, healings to occur, for those who are deeply oppressed to be set free. Daniel 10 reminds us we join in with the Lord who is triumphant. Don't give up. Praying, we're told, is one of the most powerful things we can do on earth. Let's be faithful at it. In no way is this guilt-inducing or making us think, I've got to do more, got to do more, there's so much. But just to encourage you to take that next step to keep on in persevering, whether it's praying for revival. Join us in our hungry prayer meeting once a month if you can, or join with us at that time, or on a Wednesday morning as we pray together through Zoom. Keep praying. Pray for your family and children, grandparents. Keep praying. It may be a a prayer of conversion for for some unbelievers. Uh, As Paul describes, I mentioned it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, so that that those who cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ may see that. For the gift of repentance, to believe. Keep praying. Pray for justice and freedom and rescue. As we hear of the news stories, may those inspire you, not demoralize you. Rather than becoming overburdened by this battle, lift up your eyes. The battle is the Lord's. Pray that, that people perhaps would have an openness to discuss spiritual things in this lockdown time of when people are less perhaps inclined to think of the more. 
pray that the Lord would open their eyes and pray that we would stand firm as individuals and as a church. When so much is going on in our hearts with the worry and the anxiety and the what's going to happen next and when will these restrictions be lifted and will we make it through and will it be okay? Let's pray. Because the Lord is with us and he is triumphant. Someone said a person involved in biblical praying will never have a dull moment. Yes, there's pain. Daniel was exhausted at times. Yes, it's costly that he's told he doesn't put any lotions on for a time. I'm not into lotions myself, but Daniel was. Sometimes there's, there's critical times that we come together and pray in contempt. There's never a dull moment. Sometimes it's tough to persevere. There's certainly not boredom. Keep on praying. That as we do so, may be recognized the prospect that in giving that moment of time, that moment of effort, that moment of dedication, consecration to the Lord, something powerful is taking place that we may not comprehend, we may not understand, but Daniel 10, 10 reassures you that it is certainly happening. Even if you feel too weak to do something physically exerting, what can I do? You're freed to be a powerful warrior of the kingdom.